Praise the Lord, everybody. Go ahead, hon. You can do whatever you're doing over there. And I don't know why you got a chair. I have to stand up. So, no, just kidding. Just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, please. <laughs> oh, isn't God good? Hallelujah. I am so honored to be here tonight. What a great morning. I tell you what, I have just been overwhelmed. Pastor asked me earlier if I had got to rest a little bit this afternoon. I tell you, I went, went back to my place and was really going to try to just zone out and just really couldn't. My heart been leaping all day. And uh, I, I believe of what the Lord is doing. And I'm so excited about being here. I count it a real privilege, a real honor. <clears throat> But I'm not here again tonight to sermonize you. I believe the Lord has put something in my heart. I don't think I really understood what the Lord was speaking to me until Pastor Clay began to speak a while ago. Then I began to have some clarity of where I believe the Lord, what the Lord is saying. I want you to go to the book of of Exodus with me again tonight. But I want us to go to Exodus chapter 3. To all the visiting house, the people from other churches, we're glad you're in the house tonight. Such an honor to, to be able to speak into you. And I want you to open up your heart. And I want you to let God do something amazing tonight. This morning I spoke, I believe, to the church. And I believe Pastor said it well. You were brought, God lifted you to another place. Tonight I believe individuals are going to be lifted. I believe you're getting ready to be set into a new place in the Lord. A new place of function. A new place really of identity. A new place where you're going to see more fulfillment and see God do more in you than I believe that you have ever, ever seen before. I believe it's the time that we're in. I feel that so strongly. I feel that. I want you to lift your hands to the Lord one more time. Say, God, I'm taking the limits off my life. I take off the limits tonight. Father, every limit that we have put on, Father, we we command it to be removed tonight. We cast down every imagination, every thought that exalts itself above the knowledge of you tonight, that our thoughts, God, that our thinking, that our ideas, that our drives all come into alignment with you tonight, Father. I declare it right now in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen. You know this passage of Scripture real well. And for time's sake, I'm not going to read every passage or every verse. But this is the part where God hears the cry of his people in Exodus chapter 3. And he appears to a man through a burning bush by the name of Moses that we've heard the story many times over. And the Bible said that the bush began to burn and Moses turned. And when he turned to the bush, a voice come out of the bush and said, I have heard the cry of my people people Israel. I have heard the cry of my people. Listen to what he said. And I am come down to deliver them. He said, I have heard their cry and I have come down to deliver them. Notice what God said. I have come down to deliver them and I'm bringing them up out of their place of bondage and I'm bringing them into a new place, a place that is good, a place that is large and a place that is overflowing with milk and honey. I want you to say these words with me tonight. It's a place that is good. It's a place that's large. And it's a place that's overflowing with milk and honey. See, remember, I want to remind you again, when God says good, what's God comparing good to? See, you and I may think good is just going across the street. You and I may think good is just being able to no more eat, you know, off of our own plate, go to a good restaurant and eat. But I believe when God says it's good, God said, I'm bringing them to my place. I'm bringing them to my place that is bigger, grander, has more in it than what they could ever imagine. In my place, God says, it's a land that is overflowing. So if there's an overflow, there's always more than enough. Some of you need to start thinking about living with more than enough than not enough. Come on, somebody. You need to start thinking about living in the more than enough. You know what's going to happen when you live in more than enough? You're going to have to help other people out. God doesn't give you the more than enough for you to keep for yourself. He gives you the more than enough so that you can enjoy it and you can help somebody else get to their place of more than enough. 
He said, I've heard the cry, Moses, and I've come down to deliver them. The first thing that God speaks to Moses is this. Just let me preach, all right? The first thing that he said, he said, take the shoes off of your feet. For the place you're on now is no more like it has been in the past. For now the place you're standing on is holy ground. He said, Moses, take your shoes off. I heard the Lord speak to me a while ago. This is a new day. It's a moment of new time. This is a new hour, says the Lord, that I'm going to express myself in a new way. It's not a new way to me, says God, but it's a new way to you because many are still living in yesterday. You're walking in past that have come dusty and have grown old but the Lord says today I'm calling you into a new walk into a new place into a new position for my glory says the Lord take your shoes off Take your shoes off, says God. When he was telling Moses to take his sandals off, you need to understand those were works that were made by the hands of man. It worked good at one time, but it will not work in this hour. What we done yesterday, listen to me, City of Hope Church, what we did 25 years ago will not function in this hour. And many are still looking for yesterday. Every time God starts moving, we start dragging up yesterday instead of stepping into this day and watching God do something amazing. See, yesterday was always a requirement upon somebody else. But today is a requirement upon all of us to fulfill our purpose of God. I want to say that to you again. Yesterday's move wasn't about an evangelist coming through. Yesterday's move was about somebody else stirring a revival for us. Yesterday's move was always about us looking for somebody to do what we've intended to do. Let's hire a pastor. Let's get a staff. They can do the work of the ministry. But the reality of this move is, is not based upon yesterday. This move is based upon what God's always intended that the staff isn't hired to do the ministry. The staff is hired to equip the ministry so that we could fulfill the purpose of God together. Come on, somebody. Are you okay? Moses, take your shoes off. Matter of fact, I heard the Lord speak, and this is what I'm going to title this tonight. I heard the Lord speak this afternoon. He said, let my people go. I thought, Lord, that was the word Moses spoke to Pharaoh. That's what God told Moses to go say. And I kept thinking, Lord, what are you talking about to Moses? Why do we need to talk to Pharaoh? He didn't tell me that. He said, listen to it again. And when Pastor Clay spoke a while ago, I understood. He wasn't speaking to me to get into the face of Pharaoh. He's speaking to this house. Listen, city of hope. He's saying to you, let this people go. Let this people go. If there's going to be a change in this community, he's going to use a people just like you. It's not going to come from without. It's going to come from within. Take a look at Moses for a moment. Are you all ready? I'm getting ready. You're getting ready to get set in another place. Why did God come to Moses? Why couldn't he got anybody else to done this assignment? Matter of fact, 400 years before this point, through Father Abraham, God prophesied as he was making covenant with him that the people of God were going to go into bondage. For 400 years, they would be in slavery. And then God said, I'll move again and I'll come bring and I'll establish my covenant that I made. So when did God start moving? Notice what happened. It's not just a good feeling. It's a move of God that we're in in the moment. This is a move of God that where we are on the threshold of it. Listen to what he comes. He comes and he finds Moses. Why did he pick Moses? Because Moses was one of them. He was born in slavery. He was a Hebrew born in the land of the Egyptian. And when he was just a couple of years old, you know the story, Pharaoh had commanded that all the children or all the sons, they would be killed because he had an idea of deliverance. This is my opinion. He had an idea that deliverance was going to come. So I got to stop this. 
the seed before it ever gets started. So he had all the children to be, or the male children, to be destroyed at the age of two. Am I right? Correct me, my scholars. And he was put by his mama into a basket and set into the river, only just a short way down to be drawn out by the daughter of Pharaoh. The, by, the name of Moses simply means one that's been drawn out. This is really, I believe, a picture of a new birth. It's a picture of the water symbolizing the work of the Spirit. Except we be born of the Spirit and of water, we'll not see the kingdom of God. So here's Moses, one that was born a Hebrew in the land of Egypt, but has had a new birth experience. And now he grows up as one. Listen, he grows up in the house of Pharaoh, but he goes back to be trained by his mama with Hebrew roots again and with the call of God upon his life. Hello, somebody. And then all of a sudden, deliverance starts working in him. Somewhere in the journey, deliverance starts working in him. Think about Moses for a moment. He's been learned in the way of the, of the Egyptians. But he's got greater DNA of the Hebrews working. And he's coming out of the palace. And when he comes out of the palace, he sees a couple of Egyptians that are messing with the Hebrew. And what he does, deliverance starts working in him. And he takes matters into his own hands and he slays the Egyptian while the Hebrew sees it. And then trouble comes because now he covers up the Egyptian. The Hebrew now has a problem with him because he doesn't understand this is his deliverance. Come on, somebody. The people around you don't understand your deliverance. Sometimes we don't understand our deliverance. We're still crying, God, send somebody. God, help me. And the whole time, it's the person sitting next to you that holds the authority to get you free. Listen, City of Hope, it's time we let the people go. Come on, somebody, listen to what I'm talking. Are you okay? So what does he do? Now he runs because nobody trusts him. Nobody trusts him. He's got to run from Pharaoh. The Hebrews don't trust him. So he finds himself in Midian where he goes there. He marries and there he finds, builds his family. And now he's taking care of sheep on the backside of the desert. He's taking care of something that's supposed to be naturally happening to him. He's supposed to be discipling and nurturing the people. But instead, he's taking care of sheep. And while he's taking care of the sheep, God appears to him and said, I've heard the cry of my people. I've seen their affliction. And now the thing that I've always been wanting to do with you is now time for it to come to pass. I want you to go get into the face of Pharaoh and let my people go. So the first thing that he had to do, he had to unload the shoes that he had made for himself, no doubt that he had walked in dusty paths and had led him to this point of the journey. We can no longer walk as we have walked in past. We've got to see ourselves in a new identity. No longer are we just people coming to church, but now we are the church. No longer are we looking for deliverance. We are the deliverers. No longer are we looking for healing. I carry healing. Come on, somebody. No longer, no longer am I looking. Please don't misunderstand. No longer are we looking for salvation. We are salvation because of the Savior that abides on the inside of us. City of hope, let the people go. God speaks to him and says, go get into the face of Pharaoh. and Command Pharaoh, tell him this. Let my son, my firstborn, let Israel go. You see, what you and I have got to come to understand what is God's and what's not God's. These people belong to the Lord. This city belongs to the Lord. This region belongs to the Lord. I don't care how messed up, how screwed up. I don't care if it is the, one of the worst cities or worst counties in the, in the whole nation to live in. It belongs to the Lord. These are God's people. And if it's that way, that's not God's plan. And I'm like what Pastor Clay says. God is in a good spot to look good right now. 
And I believe God wants to bring transformation. And he's going to use a place like City of Hope because the spirit and the work of transformation is resting now upon this house. For you and I to go and turn the statistics. For you and I to change the circumstances. For you and I to tell the people it may be looking bad now, but we've got a bigger plan. We've got a greater plan. We want to tell you how to step into the life of God. Moses, go get him. See, we're always waiting. I, I wish Rick Clendenin would get here. Because if Rick Clendenin could get here, everything would be changed. Well, Rick Clendenin's from this part of the world, I believe. So Rick's only coming back home. I don't know where Brother Yurton is from. If I could just get Brother Yurton to come to our area, I believe everything would change. Maybe if I can't get Brother Yurton, if I could get Benny Hinn, if we could just get Benny Hinn to come to Clay County, if we could just get Joyce Meyer to come to Clay County, if we could just get so-and-so to come to Clay County. Have y'all noticed something? They haven't put Clay County on their, on their, on their appointment books yet. Have y'all noticed something? They're not calling up asking if they can come to Clay County. And that is not by chance because they've not been assigned to Clay County. I want to tell you who's been assigned to Clay County. I'm looking at it. If there's going to be a move of God in Clay County, I'm looking at it. You're one of them. You have been brought out of them so that you can go back into them and lead them out into the place that God has for them. Some of you come out, listen, you've come out of the streets. And when I say you've come out of the streets, you've come out of addiction, you've come out of this, and you've come out of that. If anybody understands it, you ought to. God didn't deliver you just so that you could just say, look where I came from. But he delivered you for one, it was his will that you be free. The second reason he delivered you was so that you could go get somebody else out of that position. You see, guys, I don't know where you guys come from. I'm just talking by what they said. I've never been drunk a day in my life. I've never used a, a drug that's bad or illicit in any form. I don't know what that's like. I have no clue about that. I'm not saying I've been perfect. I don't know. But I know people that have said, you don't know me. You don't know what I'm going through. But I want to tell you, when you've been there and you've been brought out of that, they can never say again, it can never change. They can and never say by your testimony God can't do it but by your testimony you're telling them that there is hope that there is life that there is victory in the Lord and you're the voice to them he sent Moses among his own people back in to bring them out but another thing that God did not only did he tell Moses take the shoes off not only did he tell Moses to go in and command the release of God's people he said, Moses, in Exodus chapter 6, in Exodus chapter 6, I believe it's the first verse, the Lord said to Moses, now you see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he will let them go. He will let them go, and with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. Listen to what he said. The Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. I believe we are in a now moment. What does the word now mean? It means now, in this moment of time, under these circumstances, in this situation. Sometimes we're saying it's not right. Sometimes we're not saying that the elements are right. When God says now, he means absolutely right now. And circumstances never matter anymore. Circumstances aren't the hindrance anymore. The only hindrance is our belief to step out into what God said. He said I could have. Matter of fact, think about this. He spoke to Abram that 400 years later, the people would, people would go into bondage for 400 years. How long have they been in bondage? They've been in bondage for over 400 years now. So in order for the word to be fulfilled, the time of deliverance was here. Somebody recently done another a, a series of studies about the 400s in the Bible. And we've come to a new 400. We're on the brink. An old one has just passed. Did you ever think there were 400 years between an Old Testament 
Testament and a New Testament. We call it the moment of darkness. But then all of a sudden, what did God do? He raised up a child by the name of Jesus that would save his people from their sins. It was deliverance time to bring salvation to the whole world. Somebody recently done another study of the times. We are in the brink of a brand new 400 year where God is pouring out his spirit just like he said he would. You and I get to be a part of it. Hello. He said, Moses, he said, now in this moment of time, for with a strong hand and with a, and with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abram, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, Lord, or Jehovah, I was not known to them. I have established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan in their land of pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the cry of their groaning of the children of Israel whom the Egyptians kept in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. I have remembered, therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I am Jehovah. See, when he was speaking about Pharaoh, Pharaoh's name means this. He's the son of the son, the S-U-N. He's the son of the son is what his name means. But when God says, I'm the Lord, he said, I am Jehovah. I'm the all-existing one. I'm the self-existing one. By me, all things exist. Where he says in this moment of time, my authority is greater than the authority of Pharaoh. May I say something to you? If God is revealing himself to you now, that's the Lord, as Jehovah, what he is saying is my power is greater than the poverty my power is greater than the sickness my power is greater than the abuse my power my authority is greater than the substance my authority is greater than all the trouble that's going on the land I have set my greater authority now in this place hello you should have seen these two guys Three months ago. You talk about authority. I'm telling you, it's on them. They weren't screaming and shouting. They just came in. And big Pastor Donald's praying for somebody over here for deliverance. While they're praying for deliverance over here, I've got a young Chinese girl that was born in China. She was abandoned by her parents grew up in an orphanage where she was abused and misused and she's lived with all of this junk in her life while they're praying over here they weren't even looking over there the power of God was at work over there and the next thing we know deliverance was taking place over there because of the power that was working here come on you better hear what I'm telling you Moses let my people go you see, if I'm, you're waiting for somebody to come in, my assignment's not here. My assignment is to do what I'm doing. My assignment is to encourage you. My assignment is to lift you. My assignment is to help position you. Understand the giftings when they come in the house. Understand the five-fold ministry. I'm going to give it to you real quickly in a nutshell. You can remember it like this. Apostles come in to govern. Prophets come in to guide. Evangelists come in to gather. Pastors come in to guard. Teachers come in to ground. So my assignment is apostolic this weekend. I'm coming in as an authority of God to tell you what God is speaking and to establish and to raise you up and position you to fulfill everything that God put in your heart. Not today, but what has been in the heart of this ministry before it was ever established. Are we okay? To Moses, let my people go. Pastor, that's an Old Testament principle. Well, let me give you a New Testament principle and I'll land the jet. I'll pray for you. And I'll land the jet. In the book of Matthew, I just told you there were 400 years from Old Testament to New Testament, right? 400 years. And God moves again and it opens up with genealogy. 
in the book of Matthew and also I think in the book of Luke. God appears to a young lady by the name of Mary and says, Mary, or an angel does, and says, Mary, don't be afraid for that which is in you is of God. I'm paraphrasing. She listens to the voice of this angel. For the highest shall overshadow you when she asks, how is this going to be? Seeing I know not a man. And the angel said, the highest will overshadow you and that which will be conceived is of God himself. And you will bring forth the son and you will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. One of them, notice how he said it, one of them to bring deliverance to them. I was thinking if I'd be God and I'm big enough to do it and I'm God enough to do it, why do I need a baby? Why do I need to fool with earthly flesh other than he's establishing a pattern in the earth? He speaks to the one that's betrothed to Mary. Think about this, guys. Here you've, you've been waiting upon your bride and only to come to find out that she's pregnant. And God speaks to him and said, wait a minute, don't be afraid to take her to be your wife. For that which is conceived of her is of me. She's going to bring forth the son. His name is going to be called Emmanuel. God is with us. And now Joseph has to nurture this thing, this baby that's called Jesus. We go for now for 30 years. I could take you on a big journey, but time, I know it's late and kids are in here and I know how that gets. But they go on a journey and Jesus establishes his earthly ministry at the age of 30 years of age. The Bible said before Jesus, let me back up just a little bit because I do need to drop this. That there was a high priest and his wife and he's serving in the temple. His name is Zacharias. And they were barren at the age, I believe, of 80 years of age. Up there, she was beyond the age of child. And God moves upon them and they conceive and bring forth the son. And he should have been named after his father. The father should have named him. But because he questioned, God put a close over his mouth. I think that's something good for us to say. Sometime when we don't know what's going on, we just need to keep our mouth closed. Because we can abort everything God is doing by what we don't know. And so here's what God does. He said, you're going to name him. His name is going to be John. And I think the name of John simply means this. The Lord hath remembered. The Lord hath remembered. I've remembered my covenant. So here God puts him in the womb of of Elizabeth. And the first person that Mary wanted to go see was her cousin Elizabeth. And when Mary arrives with the conception of Jesus, John leaps on the inside. Can you imagine having that much power? already as a seed that it's identified by the seed of something else. Oh, come on, somebody. So now they grow, and the age comes, and here's what John is doing. John doesn't look like yesterday. His name was changed. He's not looking as the priesthood. The order of priesthood is now changed. And John doesn't come in priestly garments, but now he's clothed in a, in a, in a camel's hair outfit the latest fashion. He's now clothed that way and he's eating nothing but wild locusts and honey and he's coming forth and saying, repent, listen, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Notice what he said, by strong hand, I'm going to bring him out. And John says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is what's John's message. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. He's here. It's coming. Get ready for him. He's coming. That's what it means. He's coming. Matthew chapter 3. Jesus now starts his ministry. And the first thing that happens after baptism, and he comes out of the wilderness. What is the message of Jesus? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But he wasn't saying it's coming. Jesus was saying it's here. It's here now. It's in this moment. It's here. Whether you see it, whether you feel it, whether you believe it or not, the kingdom of heaven is here. And Jesus begins to heal. And Jesus begins to cleanse. Jesus begins to open blind eyes. Jesus begins to cast out demons. 
Jesus begins his work of setting fevered brows, setting fevers away, commanding things to change. The Bible said in the book of Matthew chapter 9, hang with me, all right? Are you okay? Everybody all right? Y'all don't look as happy as this morning. Matthew chapter 9, this is what Jesus said. I know it's different. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 says, listen to this. And Jesus went about all the cities and all the villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and disease that was among the people. I want you to notice that. Then Jesus went. Why did Jesus go? Because it's now. It's time. He went about all the cities and the villages. I got news for you. You may be in Clay County, but the same Jesus that's moving in St. Louis, the same Jesus that's moving in Dallas, the same Jesus that's moving in Jerusalem, the same Jesus that's moving in the countries of the world, the same Jesus that's moving where Benny Hinn, Joyce Meyer, Reinhard Bonnke, every name that you can name, the same Jesus is right here in Clay County. And what He wants to do there, He wants to do right here. He went... Boy, that's a good picture because we're saying come and Jesus went. We're telling them to come and Jesus went to them. Maybe we're missing a few things. He went about all the cities and the villages. But the first place that had to change wasn't out there. The first place that has to change before out there change is the church. We've got to come back to who we are to know what our assignment is. Listen to what he did. He was teaching in their synagogues. He preached in the streets but taught in the synagogue. I wonder, that gives me a little bit of an idea of something. There's some things that we need to get right because evidently we don't have it right yet. The thing that needs to get adjusted isn't, listen, the thing that needs to get adjusted isn't the world. Man, we're screaming at the world. They need to get right. And Jesus is saying, I need my church right so that they can go make right what is out there. He taught in their synagogues. And then he began to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. The word he began to preach means he shouted it out. He proclaimed it. There's a better way. There's a better life. God has health and wholeness and healing and deliverance. God doesn't want you strung out. God doesn't want you hung up. God wants to bless you. God wants to make lavish you. They begin to preach the gospel of the kingdom. I don't know what kind of gospel you have, but I got a gospel. I want to say it like this. A gospel of more than enough. A gospel where God, I believe with all my heart, I believe God wants me pain-free. Pastor Donald, I'm going to tell you, brother, I don't care what you face. I'm still going to tell you in the, face of, in the face of pain, it's not the will of God where you are, and the will of God is for you to be well. Cancer is not the will of God. Disease of any kind is not the will of God. Let me say this to you. Well, the Lord must have put that on you in order to teach you something. Get out of here. You can't find that in the Bible where God put sickness on anybody to teach you anything. It's there because of sin. It's there necessarily not even because of your sin. We're born into a world of iniquity. Hello, don't anybody get messed up, all right? They'll straighten all this out when I'm gone. He said he healed We've got to get it right, church. What is our assignment? He gave the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher to come and entertain us every Sunday, to come in and do what we are called to do. No, that's not what he said. He gave the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Wait a minute, where's the real ministers at? Not what you see here. It's what is setting right there. How is the world, if the ministers are there, why are we still waiting upon this? If the ministers are there, then the healing is there. If the ministers are there, the hope is there. If the ministers are there, then deliverance is there. If the minister is there, then the provision is there. He went about said, i got to get my church straightened out. And I'm going to preach a gospel of the kingdom. And when he's talking about a kingdom, listen, this is not just a one-time thing. This is a way I can live. This is a way I can live. I'm supposed to be living above the circumstances of the world. Let me throw this idea at you. Are you okay? 
What time is it? I can't even see my watch. At 8.20. Listen, do you ever think about I want to give you a story. You've heard the story when Jesus tells his disciples to get in a boat and go to the other side. And then in the middle of the night, in the middle of a storm, Jesus walks to him. You remember the story? You remember it well? That's when Peter walks on the water. I want you to think about something. Think about this for a moment. Here, Peter's an experienced fisherman. You think he hasn't seen a storm on the water before? You're mistaken. He's probably seen a lot of them. But this night, evidently, the storm must have kicked up a little bit more fears. And Peter and his disciples, in the middle of the night, are looking out, and Jesus was going to the other side. Now, if he had been with them before, I remember when he calmed the storm. But this time he didn't calm the storm. He walked through the storm. Because storms aren't supposed to mess with us. Hello? So while he's walking to the other side, these disciples are looking out and see in the distance what they think, or one of them said, is a ghost. He's that far away from them. Now why were they looking out? I don't think they were looking out to say, you know what, this storm is bad. I think they were looking for land. Get me out of this mess. Get me out of this mess. But when Peter sees Jesus, now Peter sees, he recognizes, this is Jesus in the midst of the storm. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. Now I wonder why Peter asked that question. I got an idea He wasn't just trying to see if he could work a miracle. But I believe it was everything that Jesus was teaching them was now being stirred on the inside of Peter. Peter, you are of another kingdom. That the kingdom of our God has precedence over the kingdom of this earth. And all of a sudden, heaven kicked into Peter and says, if you can do it, I can do it. I'm not certain it's you, but if it's you, let me come. And Peter steps and begins to walk. Now Peter's doing real good because Jesus didn't come and get him. And Peter, Jesus wasn't saying over here, come on, son. Come on, you can do it, man. Don't, 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 no, no. Peter was walking boldly till he reached a point that he evidently on a stormy sea, he's walking above all the elements. And he reaches a point that he can no longer see the boat and he can no longer see the Lord and all of a sudden earth checked back in I shouldn't be here I shouldn't be doing this and the moment he started thinking earthly again he began to embrace what he had in the boat he began to embrace the fear instead of embracing the courage that no matter what comes my way, I can walk through it. You talk about a story. You talk about an impact of a man. Don't tell me your testimony doesn't work because that testimony is still working today. That happened thousands of years ago. It still works today of the power of God in a man's life. See, listen, friend. God never told us we wouldn't have storms. He just said you don't have to let the storm overtake you. He never told us. Do you ever think about the widow? Back, let's go back in the Old Testament again. God speaks to a prophet by the name of Elijah. He said, Elijah, I want you to go to Zarephath. Listen to these words, 2 Kings. Go to Zarephath, for I have commanded a widow to sustain you. I've already talked to her. I've already given her everything that she's going to need. And notice what he said. She's not just going to feed you. She's going to take care of you for a while, just like the brook and the raven did. And so what did, he, what did God do? He had to have the brook dry up for Elijah to go. Elijah makes his way to Zarephath, gets to Zarephath to the widow to only find that she had been waiting for the prophet, but now circumstances around her begin to take focus. And she stepped out of the heavenly realm back to the earth realm, began to look at what she had instead of what he said, and all of a sudden, she's dying. 
when she could have lived no matter what the circumstances. Are y'all with me? And when the prophet gets there, I know what some of you think about preachers that come in and ask for an offering. Or you see them on TV. I hear people say that all the time. All those TV preachers want is money. Did you ever think that God may use them just like he did the prophet to provoke her to step out of her humanity and step into the kingdom of God and that if she would share out of her little, God would do something amazing? You may look at what you have and say, I don't have a lot, but you need to understand, you're of a different kingdom. You're of a different world. It's not based upon how much money's in your bank account. It's based upon what God has just declared over you. Oh, come on, somebody. We talk about the feeding of the multitude. Jesus fed the multitude. Can I tell you different? Jesus didn't feed the multitude. The disciples fed the multitude. Jesus asked them when the disciples said, Master, we need to send them away. We've had them here all day in this desert place. Jesus said, if we send them away like this, notice what Jesus said. They're going to faint on the journey. Let's feed them. That was the will of God. Let's feed them. One of them, I think it was Philip, said, Lord, do you know what it's going to cost us to feed those people? Do you know what it's going to cost us? He'd just been sitting here watching a supernatural miracle. It's about 20,000 people gathered in a desert place, stayed all day to listen to one man speak. Then he said, then what do we got? And there's a little boy in the crowd. Y'all know the story real well. Everybody says it was his lunch. Probably wasn't his lunch at all. He was probably out selling mom's goods so they could have some money to take back home and take care of the electric bill back in their, in their shed or shack where they live. He said, there's a little lad out there with a couple of loaves and a couple of fish. He said, bring it to me. Jesus takes a couple of loaves and a couple of fish. He said, Lord, I want to thank you. Then he turns around. He says to those disciples, set them down in ranks. See, sometimes we just need a strategy. He said, set them down in ranks, hundreds and thousands. And then he turns right around. He said, now we're going to feed them, guys. They didn't line up at the feet of Jesus. Jesus turned right back around, put it back into their hands, said, didn't I give you a command to go feed these? Why did he put it back in their hand? What was the whole reason of getting the fish? Because God blessed the action of them giving what they had to feed the people, and it would be sufficient to take care of them. Oh, you didn't hear what I just said. He blessed their action. It wasn't even, a, it was their action that he was blessing. The feeding of the people in their hands would be sufficient. I got an idea. Those 12, if I, I'm going to come down there. If I was one of those guys, this is what me, I want the 100 group. Man, I'm not going to deal with that 1,000. I want the 100 group. Jesus puts a piece of fish in each one of their hands puts the loaves in their hands. And I'm knowing us, if we check into our earth, we start calculating. I got, oh man, this isn't a very big piece of fish, fish to feed a hundred people, let alone, I'm glad I'm not John down there. John's with a thousand. And we've all got an equal amount of fish in our hand. I got an idea. Peter walks up to the first one. He's calculating in his mind. How is this thing going to work? And he pulls off a little piece of fish. And he pulls off a little piece of bread, hands it to him only to look back into his hand. And what he thought he put off, there wasn't anything missing. He walks over to the next one. He pulls off some more, gives him some bread, and looks back, and nothing is missing. It just seems to have a supernatural way of replenishing himself. And I can believe I could hear Peter say, Hey, John, aren't you watching what is happening? He's watching a miracle take place through their hand. But here's the whole deal. A couple of loaves and a couple of fish feed the whole multitude. And we have 12 baskets left over. Remember, 12 is the number of government. So what was God saying? The kingdom of God overrides the authority of this world. When you operate kingdom principle, you're being challenged to give. I can't give. You're being challenged to give. I dare you take a step of faith. You follow God and watch God can do. We've done it so many times. I've watched God do so many crazy things in my life. I still have moments of need, believe me. I still have moments of need. I remember one time we, did, we had so much going out. I thought, God, what am I going to do? See, I live by the kingdom, principles of the kingdom. I've given everything I had away. Give cards away. Give clothes away. Give neckties away. I mean, I give just about every, everything I had. I didn't have any money to give. 
I thought, man, Lord, I remember in your word, the Bible says that life is in the blood. You know what I did, Brother Donald? I went to the blood bank. Man, <coughs> I gave him a pint of my red blood. I said, make sure you get every bit of that pint because I'm sowing as a kingdom. I believe this stuff. I believe this stuff. The Bible said, cast your bread upon the water and it'll come back to you on many different waves. It's a kingdom principle. And it overrides the authority. Jesus went about all the cities and the villages preaching the gospel of the kingdom. I'm going to land right here. I want to pray for you before I leave. Are you okay? The Bible says Jesus began to heal their sickness and disease. The word sickness there doesn't necessarily mean the flu. And it doesn't necessarily mean cancer. This is what it means in, in, the, in, in the scripture here. It means anything it actually means disability. That which is not of the ability of God becomes a disability or keeps us from living to the life that God intended for us to live. I want to tell you there's many people that are disabled that don't have cancer, but they're not living to the ability of what God said they could live. The word disease means that which takes your vigor of life. Instead of getting up of a morning, we're ready to face the morning. We're saying, oh, Lord, it's morning. Can I just stay in? I find 99% of the people live that way, dreading the day. I had a man come into my church a couple weeks ago. Had injured his back. He was on all kinds of medication. I prayed for him. I thought the man was doing well, only to get a report the next week that the man tried to take, tried to take his own life in the face of his 13-year-old son as he stuck a gun to his chest, hoping he would hit his heart. Somehow he missed and hit, went into his stomach. But the fact of the matter is, there's people living in despair. They're sick and diseased. And Jesus went and he healed them. And the Bible says that he looks over Jerusalem. Wait a minute. Over Jerusalem? This is the city of God. Jerusalem. The city of God. The place where God inhabits the people the Bible said are faint and they're sick and he's moved with compassion because there's so many needs and then listen to what he said please don't take this wrong anybody he said go into prayer and fasting and pray for revival he said go into prayer and fasting pray for revival that's not what he said at all he said, begin to pray that the Lord would release the laborers to go into the harvest field. For the harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. You know who your harvest is? They're all around you. You know who your harvest is? It's the person you're working next to. It's your family members. It's the people you see in the market. It's the cashier. It's the person at McDonald's or or the chicken house or wherever it is. It's, the, it's at the Mexican, it's where, at the banker. It's everywhere you go. Our harvest is waiting upon us. But Jesus said, the only reason it hasn't manifest because my laborers aren't laboring. I'm waiting upon laborers. Then the Bible said that Jesus called the 12. Called the 12 to him. Again, the number of 12 shows back up. And he said, I'm going to let you be my authority in the earth. I want you to catch something, church. I'm trying to get it down. Believe me, I want to pray for you. Things will not change just because you and I want them to change. No matter how much we wish them to change. I've got some other news for you. Things will not change because of a political system. Whether you voted for a Donald or a Hillary, it will not change by the political system. The third thing, it will not change by a religious order. There are more churches in this community. It may be Clay County, but I promise you it's not different than any other county. There's a church seemingly on every corner. 
And yet with the church on every corner, we have as much hell, as much addiction, as much abandonment, as much poverty, as much divorce, as much as everything else. And the church is right in the middle of it. So the religious system will not change it. The only thing that is going to change it is somebody that hears the call of God and said, I've sent you with my spirit. The 12 is the authority of God. I'm giving you my government. I believe it, Pastor Donald. I believe God has given you guys a measure of authority. He's released authority into you, into this people, to bring a change in Clay County. Authority doesn't work by us just doing nothing. Authority works by us speaking and declaring the will of God. We say to one, come, and he goes. We say to another, come, and he comes. Jesus spoke us, gives us a story, last story, and I'm done, I promise. I'm going to pray. Worship team, come back for me, would you? Would you come, worship team? And I want you to go back in that song, it's your breath in my lungs, would you? Listen, in the book of Luke chapter 8, there's a story of a centurion that had a servant, a Roman soldier that has a servant that is sick. But this Roman soldier has found favor with the Jews. He built them a synagogue, and he's taking care of them. And when they find out that his servant is sick, they hear that Jesus is in town. And they go to Jesus and say, Will you come and heal this man's, will you heal this man's servant? And Jesus is making his way to his house. They come back and tell the centurion, Jesus is coming to your house. And the centurion turns them around and says, Go back and tell Jesus, He doesn't need to come to my house. For I too, listen to what he said, I too am a man of authority. I say to one, come, and he comes. And I say to another, goes, and he goes. All I need you to do is speak the word, and my servant will be made whole. And Jesus sends back a word and says, Sir, your servant is well. But Jesus also said this. He said, I have not found faith. I have not found such great faith no not in Israel you want to know what faith is faith is putting your mouth into action with what God has declared for you and I to do faith is you and I putting our trust in what God said he would do now is the time city of hope let my people go let Clay County go the last miracle that Jesus did before he went to the garden was he raised Lazarus Lazarus had been dead for four days placed in a tomb already wrapped in grave clothes and Jesus delays his coming and he calls he calls Lazarus to come forth but when Lazarus comes forth he's still living like a mummy He's still living like a dead man. And he says to those around him, go, let Lazarus go. I believe God has spoke to Clay County. But he's waiting for us to get the grave clothes off of Clay County. (coughs) He's waiting for you and I to go get them loose. I want you to stand to your feet with me. We got to let them go. We got to let them go. City of Hope. Are you ready? Are you ready to step into your greatest areas of ministry? Are you ready to start releasing what God said could be released through your hands? This is your moment of time. This is how I'm going to pray. This is my altar call tonight. This is how we're going to, they're going to lift this song back up. If you're saying, Pastor, I hear what God is saying. And I'm ready for God to start doing something through my life to help bring a change to this region, to this city. I want you to step from where you are and I want you to begin to line up across the front. 
me and Pastor Donald and Pastor Clay, we're going to come and we're going to lay our hands upon you. We're not just going to pray over you, but this is what we're going to do. I believe when we lay our hands upon you, we're going to release you into another area, to a new level of anointing. We're going to release you into a place that you've never walked. If you're ready to do it, if you're ready to step into the plan of God for this region, I want you to come. Line up all the way across the front. Come on, guys. Lift it up. Lift it up with everything you got.